So a thorough history and really understanding how the body works with the mind-body connection is huge. I tell patients this almost every day in practice. I tell somebody this. We're the only country in the world that separates the mind from the body. Yeah. The only country. In Chinese medicine, we say things like it's not, it's not what you're eating, it's what's eating you. That's a huge, <laughs> huge one. Even the little... Um, they call them like the kunderas, the Mexican little Mexican like um, medicine women, will say, "Oh, honey, what's bothering you? Yeah. You know, your tummy hurts. What's hap What's happening in your life? Like, we're the only country that separates them completely. So mm -hmm. that's a huge, huge connection. Is just figuring out what's going on in that person's life, what happened when they got sick, when their symptoms started." <laughs>
are you exposed to toxins and, and different things? So that's one way, but we also do um, blood testing. We do saliva hormone testing. We can do um, brain chemistry, neurotransmitter testing in urine. We test for things like Lyme disease, which sometimes can be a big underlying culprit, and that's that's my history and why I got into this. Okay. And then we do a lot of genetic testing and, and just finding what's out of balance, giving the body what it is lacking and taking away what's in excess. Mm -hmm. Just those two things alone allow the body to heal itself yeah. and to balance. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about your own experience with Lyme disease? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was 14 years old at the time and grew up in Michigan and woke up one day literally unable to move most of the joints of my body, covered from the waist down in a red rash, which oh was gosh. not a bullseye rash, which is what Lyme disease typically sees. And we now know only about 30% of patients actually present with that bullseye rash. Okay. So a doctor's quick to dismiss it. Oh, you didn't have the bullseye rash. Um, one of them was. That, that's not true. One of them did kind of bullseye out, but then it went on, on my legs, both legs. So, wow. But again they didn't jump to that. I, I remember my mom calling my doctor. They said, oh, she's got a weird rash. Bring her in through the back door. Like I was quarantined. I was kind of like the kid in the bubble. Like Aww. we don't know what's wrong with her. And that just led down this huge path of going to doctor to doctor to doctor and nobody figuring out what it, what's wrong. Mm. And I've had every diagnosis under the sun until they ruled it out. I had MS. I had rheumatic fever, rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, they thought I had everything, and then, then they would find out, nope, that's not it. Scarlet fever is, is one of them, they thought. And um, I was put on steroids, which made things worse. That's, mm. that's not a good thing for Lyme disease. Patients to be, to be put on, it kind of actually feeds the bugs, I guess, a little bit or makes them more active. Mm -hmm. So I continued to get worse, and, and finally my mom did her own research and, and took me to a, to a doctor that was like, yeah, let's test for Lyme disease. And fortunately, it came back positive. Most blood tests are only about 60% accurate. Okay, wow. And so through years and years of natural remedies as well as some Western medicine tech, technology, I was able to recover. And mm -hmm. that's why I do what I do now. And Wow, I just yeah. can't imagine being 14 when we're supposed to be so right. active and energetic and all of this, and then to have something that just, I mean, completely yeah. wipes you out. Yeah, I was in, I missed a lot of school. I was in a lot of pain. Um, I would literally have to run my fingers under warm water in the morning just to get them to bend, to just function. And, mm. and again, everybody's like, we don't know what's wrong with her. We don't really know. Let's try this. Let's try that. And it was really frustrating as you can imagine for my whole family yeah I mean, my mom drug me everywhere and I mean it was it was a lot yeah. for sure and kind of kind of lost you know I would say six months to a year of my life mm -hmm. which is a lot what we see patients come in like fortunately my mom was persistent and decided like well, I'm not taking no for an answer yeah uh, we don't know we I don't know this. I'm not taking yeah. I don't know for an answer I mean, that's exactly what it was I don't know you're gonna have to live like this um oh. we have patients that come in that have felt like this for decades Oh my decades. Goodness. We had a patient recently, maybe within the last year, we're talking and I'm going through her history and she's been diagnosed with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and chronic pain syndrome and anxiety disorder and depression. Because when you feel bad and you hurt, like I went through that too, you just understandably are going to feel unhappy. And then the anxiety of what's wrong with me, is this going to get worse? Am I ever going to get my life back? Right? So she had the whole diagnosis and on multiple me medications. This is the craziest story. We're, we're going through and, you know, what happened to you age 0 to 12, 12 to 20, anything worth noting. And then finally at the end, she's like, you know, one thing. <laughs> yeah, growing up in Wisconsin, I think, she said, yeah, I had tick fever a bunch of times. And I'm like, tick fever? I hadn't even heard that term. Hmm. I've heard of like Rocky Mountain spotted fever and some other things. What do you mean tick fever? Yeah, sometimes people in the area would get, by, get bit by a tick and have a fever, which I had as well in rashes and feel sick. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you've had Lyme disease since you've been a child and you're in your fifties and you've been sick oh my four decades. Yeah. So. And four decades of doctors and none of them totally. could figure that out. Totally. And she had what they call co-infections too, which is other tick-borne diseases. Mm. So yeah, that, I mean, that happens a lot. So a lot of it is listening to the patient, you know, also, also understanding that they're in their body. So, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they know what's off. They know it's off. Yeah. 
Right. If somebody says, I just don't feel right, like that's a powerful statement. I just don't feel like myself or I just don't mm -hmm. feel normal. And I think we're quick in our society to say, oh, okay, must be mental illness. Here's this, which it still can be, but sometimes it's it's something much deeper. Right. And you can just imagine that if the body is in, you know, a state of crisis mm -hmm. by trying to deal with an infection or deal with some kind mm -hmm. of part of the body that just isn't functioning, just that stress physically that the body's enduring is going to yeah. create that emotional and mental stress as well. So you can really... Absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned earlier about the, you know, separation of the mind-body connection. And it is really interesting how, um, you know, you're completely right. In this culture, not only are they not considered to affect each other, but it's almost like there's a big, giant concrete wall they try to put between them yeah. that, like, your physical state has nothing to do with your mental state and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and I've seen a yeah. lot of people <laughs> incredibly frustrated just from that one piece alone. And you start to let them just understand that actually your emotional and mental stress can have a lot of effects on your physical health Absolutely. and immediately the little puzzle pieces start to kind of fall into place for them. Yeah, we have we have separate doctors here for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're also sad and depressed and anxious, you have to go somewhere else. It, right. it certainly can't be the physical part. It, it's yeah, we're looking at the whole body is just not something that is regular regularly done. You you kind of have to really seek out somebody who's going to take that perspective and it's few and far between and hard to find. So yeah, it's unfortunate. And then your father had health issues as well. Is that right? He did. Yep. So um, as a child, he was diagnosed with MS, which so when they diagnosed me with MS, we're like, mm, I don't really know if that's, you know, I mean, it certainly isn't something that is, is typically hereditary. Mm -hmm. So he did. And he had uh, mercury fillings removed mm. and his symptoms got significantly better. Wow. So we, we believe that a big part of it was, I mean, he still has some residual issues and some other things I think that are permanent from the sclerosing, the hardening in the brain. Mm -hmm. So MS is, is just scar tissue in the brain, the body attacking its own brain. It's an autoimmune disease. Well, why is the body attacking its own brain? <laughs> like it didn't, mm -hmm. it didn't just wake up one day and say, we don't like this organ anymore. We're just gonna we're just gonna go right. after it. Right. We're just gonna get it out of the body and attack it. And so that attacking is is hardening in the brain. And so a lot of people have found and and believe that certain people can have um, sensitivities or problems detoxing or methylating, which is a word that we that we use for the body's ability to recognize what's wrong and it needs to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. um, we can find that out genetically, but some people can't really get rid of certain toxins, and mercury is one of them. I mean, I, I do believe mercury is pretty toxic anyway. Right. But to some people, it can completely just cause issues. We, we do know it can, uh, it can pass the blood-brain barrier. Say that three times fast. But <laughs> it passes the blood-brain barrier. So it can get into the brain, and then the body's attacking that foreign substance. Oh and, and that can be one cause, we believe, of MS. Also, a lot of people believe that Lyme disease can cross the blood-brain barrier, and the body attacks the bugs in the brain. And that can cause sclerosing, because all MS means is multiple, so more than one, sclerosing, which is hardening in the brain. Wow. And so, yeah. So I, I, he was about seven or eight when he first got sick with that, so I, I saw a lot of that as well, and it took a while to diagnose, and mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Well, and I think to have any um, recovery from multiple sclerosis is incredible. So even though he's, you know, still having some of those residual yeah. effects, just to have a, a significant improvement is right. incredible. Most people just go downhill, downhill, end up in a wheelchair and kind of, you know, start losing function of certain parts of the body. Like that can be what happens. So yeah, it was a dentist who said, hey, this could be, I, they did their own research. <laughs> and then it was a more you know, natural minded dentist. It's like, yeah, let's take this mercury out and do some detoxing and see if if that's part of it. Wow. And they were doing all kinds of things before they did that, like everything right down to um, bee stings, because that was supposed to help some of the nerves like regenerate is getting stung by bees. Yeah, I mean, my parents were trying everything to, you know, help him Goodness. and figure out what was going on. And, and it was something so complicated, but as simple as there's toxic stuff in your mouth. Right. So since then, we as children, if we had to get a filling, we only got the porcelain glass fillings, which don't last as long as mercury, but they're not 
toxic. Yeah, they're not toxic. They're <laughs> completely not lethally neuro- toxic. They're not a neurotoxin. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's that's been huge. Wow. So what's another common common medical mystery um, that you see in your practice? Um, you know, definitely a lot of times it can be Lyme disease. Um, a lot of times chronic fatigue we find out to be a dysfunction with the adrenal glands, which also involves the thyroid, which can cause hormone issues. Mm. So if somebody's under huge stresses like fight or flight or they've gone through stressful times in their life, their adrenal glands pump out adrenaline and mm-hmm. cortisol. And it, you know, it does this to keep you upright. And it's it's going to, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul. It's going to steal nutrients from other places and energy from other places to keep you upright because the body's brilliant and its number one priority is to run from the bear or the tiger, you know, right. keep you safe, keep you upright, which today could be a boss or a spouse or a divorce or you know, right. financial problems or the IRS. So, you know, we, we think we're in fight or flight. Well, we're, we're meant to do that for seconds or minutes to run from something into safety, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're, our body's designed to do that, but it's not meant to do it for weeks, months, years. So what, what will happen is the adrenaline, you know, the adrenals are way up here and the body's like, I'm under attack. We see things like weight gain, fatigue, we could see hair falling out. But what we mostly see is then the thyroid's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The thyroid and adrenals are inversely proportionate to each other. Okay. The thyroid's like, whoa, whoa, slow it down. You're going to, you're going to keel over. You hear about stressed out CFOs or CEOs just having a heart attack or something, right? We're like, whoa, slow down. And then the thyroid's trying to way slow down the adrenals to, to bring back homeostasis. And now you have hypothyroidism. Mm. Or sometimes it's not even caught. It's called, you know, they call it chronic fatigue. And sometimes they'll fix the thyroid. They'll give you, you know, thyroid medication or hormones or you do different things for the thyroid. But sometimes if the underlying cause is really the adrenal glands and the thyroid, people are just getting, we see this a lot they get put on a medication like Synthroid and it works for a while. People are like, ooh, I have energy, my hair's growing back, like I feel good, I'm sleeping well, because that's another one. Sometimes people will be exhausted during the day, mm-hmm. but then can't sleep. We call that wired and tired. You have that <sighs> afternoon dip at 3 p.m. or 2 p.m., like you just can't keep your eyes open, but then mm-hmm. 3 p.m. you're like, wide awake, <laughs> can I clean my house? Should I finish you know, emails? Right. I've definitely given and gotten emails at 3 a.m. So I'm like, oh, that person <laughs> is going through this. So, so anyway, they have that, you know, fatigue. They get on Synthroid. They might feel a little bit better for a couple months. And then like, oh, it's not working anymore. Mm. So then they have to get their medication upped. Okay, now it's working again. And then upped and upped. And the numbers, you know, start looking normal on labs. But it doesn't, they never quite feel right because right. they didn't address. The adrenals are burned out. And so wow. that's often just not even looked at. Western medicine doesn't really recognize adrenal fatigue until it's called, it's something called Adson's disease. And that's where the adrenals have just completely given up and you're just not getting out of bed. Like Mm. you're just completely, you've just completely hit a wall where the adrenals are just, they've gone down, they've been down and you're just not functioning. Right. But there's this huge gray area of weeks, months, years to where until you get to that point, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's other causes that can cause Adson's disease, but you know, chronic fatigue of, of being under stress can do it. Mm-hmm. And so we try to get them before <laughs> they get to that. Right. And so is that something that y'all can see in the testing that you do, actually being able to look at function of the thyroid, function of the adrenals in the context yeah. of, of what else is going on with them? Yeah. So the best test for um, adrenal function is a 24-hour cortisol test where you spit into a little tube and we use a saliva test for that and you take a morning cortisol midday, evening, and then night. And in a perfect adrenal functioning person, we should have, we're dead animals, mm-hmm. right? Like we should, we should come up with the sun and go down. We just, like, who does that? Right. Right. In our society, <laughs> right? But our cortisol should be highest in the morning and it should slowly come down and then plateau, you know, go down for sleep. Mm-hmm. And so if you take these samples throughout the 24 hours and we see cortisol's tanked, during, and there's four stages. Cortisol is tanked in the morning, and then you like you have this spike in the afternoon, and it rises into the evening. Like that's definitely an adrenal fatigue problem. Mm. Sometimes it's just a little low in the morning, and then it dips really huge in the afternoon. Then it comes back up. We can see all different wow. different patterns with that. So that's one way to test the adrenals, and that rarely gets tested. Sometimes yeah. patients will come in and it's just flatlined. Like we just see their your adrenal glands 
have given up. They've checked you. out. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, we're out of here. Yep. They are not even chugging along anymore like the little engine. Mm. <laughs> like they have just, you've depleted them. Your mm-hmm. life has been stressful for a long time and they're just done. So that that's definitely one way to test the adrenals. But yeah, you have to also look at the thyroid because they're antagonistic of each other. Um, and, and how we look at the thyroid is in blood testing. And most labs give us kind of a range from here to here, which is the pathological range, which is a synonym for disease. We're looking at a much smaller range, kind of a functional range, like something maybe a low normal or a high normal. And a lot of times their doctor will say, oh, let's watch it. Let's give it six months. Let's see how you do. Well, give it six months and it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be in the you know low range. Why do that? We look at right. low normals and high normals and and also just try to get the body functioning at its most optimal mm-hmm. in the functional range. We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at Patreon.com/slash/PsycheTruth, where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash P-S-Y-C-H-E-T-R-U-T-H. So thinking more about this idea of, of medical mysteries and situations where the doctors can't figure out the problem, um, what do you think is, you know, maybe another reason for that in addition to they're just not testing for certain things, they're treating, trying to treat the body in segments rather than recognizing that the different parts of the body relate and rely on one another, uh, what would be another aspect of this problem? You know, a lot of it could be the body's function, how well it's functioning. Did the person come into this world with a disadvantage? Mm. Meaning, were they dealt kind of a bad hand of cards? (laughs) Do they have some genetic predispositions that make them more sensitive Mm. to toxins, to getting microbes in their body and they can't quite detox it? So that, that could be something that they're just not looking at. You know, mm-hmm. where a lot of us are all exposed to the same toxins and never before in the history of man has there been this many toxins that we're, you know, exposed to. Right. But, you know, somebody may have a constitution is what we use in acupuncture, kind of your inner terrain or your immune system or your body's function may have a really strong constitution where somebody else may have a lot of genetic weaknesses or defects that if they, you know, drink out of plastic per se, that their body can't handle and detox some of the toxins that can come out of drinking out of plastic or mm. eating meat with hormones. Um, or they just can't detox toxins quite the same way, right. kind of like the metal and the mercury. So I think mm-hmm. I think that we're missing the gap of, of looking at the person as an individual yeah. versus, oh, you have this, it must be this, this is the treatment. Mm-hmm. So when we look at things like like genetics, we can say, okay, well, this person doesn't methylate properly. And that's the body's ability of recognizing, okay, what's coming in? What are we going to send down the detox pathways? What are we going to send down um, the pathway to, to make more nutrients? And, and kind of sorting that and deciding what to keep, what to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And so MTHFR is, is the name of the gene that's kind of become a bigger buzzword lately, the MTHFR gene or the methylation gene. And that is the body's ability to to start the detox process, but also um, make energy, make um, convert folic acid into methyl tetrahydrofolate, mm. which is the building block for 250 other chemical reactions, which are wow. is huge. Yeah, if this person's not methylating that folic acid and, and methylating B12, they're not able to make energy. Right. They're, there's your chronic fatigue. And that's so interesting because <clears throat> I've known people that will take like a folic acid supplement and it doesn't help their problem. Totally. So maybe it's because it's not the lack of folic acid in the diet. It's just that the body's not able to do what it needs to do to be able to utilize it. Absolutely. They, it can't convert it into the active form of the methyl tetrahydrofolate. And so there the body can't make energy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we're just not looking at that person as an individual, we'd never find that. Right. Like looking at their actual makeup and their gene imprint. Uh, another big thing we know with having that MTHFR gene defect is you could have a lot of um, miscarriages because folic acid in the correct form is the first nutrient needed to form the baby's body. 
Our oh, brain. Wow. Brain. So if the body recognizes the brain isn't forming, it'll know it's not a viable pregnancy. And we see a lot of miscarriages because people have this MTHFR gene. So it's being tested a lot right now by mainstream medicine, which I'm super excited about. People are mm -hmm. coming into the office with this genetic testing already, which we do some in the office. Unfortunately, they're only testing two of 12 genes in the sequence. We like to look at all 12 mm -hmm. um, because there's other parts of what they're doing with the, the B12 and the, and the folic acid, but it's a big start. Yeah. And just, and just by giving some of these patients the correct form of the methylfolate, which is the methyl tetrahydrofolate, they can hold babies. Wow. Like it's, a, it's amazing, something that simple. But again, if we're not looking at the person as an individual and a whole and all aspects of their being, we'd never find that. Mm -hmm. We would just say, oh, you know, it just must be fertility issues. Let's just, you know, jump quickly to implantation or something, which again, may not work if they don't, if they're not making the proper nutrients to form the baby. Right. Yeah. It's a huge one wow. that we see a lot. Wow. And so it, it almost sounds like, you know, there's this, like the segmentation problem. They're trying to like isolate a part of the body and then treat it in a vacuum. And then there's also this problem of trying to treat people all the same way, you know? And you kind of mentioned earlier that a lot of the, you know, doctor's appointments, when you're seeing a doctor, yeah. it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It just tends to feel like you're getting rushed out of yeah. there rather than them trying to get a really clear view of what's going on with you. And, Absolutely. you know, it's a lot of different pieces to put together. But what it sounds like is that a lot of times you look at all the complex pieces, you look at maybe mm -hmm. their life history back to when they were an infant, but then it tends to end up being kind of a simple solution. Like they're removing the mercury fillings yeah. as an example yeah. or giving them that, you know, methylated form, form of folate. Yeah, it's, um, it's so complicated to get there. Yeah. But yeah, one patient in particular was about to start fertility treatment and we, and she thought, well, I'm just, I'm just too stressed out. I need to take some time out or I just, you know, need to do this or need to rearrange my schedule or whatever. And we did the test and she had she had methylation issues, and so mm. she was able to have and you know hold and carry a baby and have a full-term healthy pregnancy. Now we're also going to test that baby because it's just a cheek swab to test the genetics. Thinking, okay, well, if mom had it, doesn't necessarily mean baby will have it, but could. Right. You know, they definitely could. Have and if the... you found that out while they were still an infant, right? Wow. Right. We we had another patient that we did find out he was one and a half, two, and not speaking much. Mm. And we really weren't sure why. His mom was a patient. I saw her through two pregnancies. He was a second. And, and I just thought, you know, methylation issues can cause some delayed development. He was, he was fine on everything else. So we weren't thinking like autism or even mm. on the spectrum at all because he, he, just, he just didn't have, that, have those tendencies. He just right. wasn't speaking well. They had him in speech therapy. We started giving him some methylation cream after we tested, and he literally spoke, like, within a week and had a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, he had a lot to say once he started started speaking. Like I he, bet. Like, it, he just, his something in his brain just connected, and he was able to make more nutrients and speak. It was wow. it was amazing. We have had another patient. So methylation can, can look like a lot of different problems, mm -hmm. this genetic defect. We had another patient who was having chronic headaches, major issues. She had something called POTS, which is a postural, um, orth orthotic postural tension syndrome. I could be wrong on that, but you stand up and you're, you're basically your heart races, your blood pressure drops. You can't really stand up without having racing heart. And so she wasn't able to walk at her worst from her bedroom to the bathroom without help mm. because her, her heart rate would go so high and she would pass out. Wow. And we found out after literally the only thing we did was add the correct form of methylated B vitamins and it stopped. It was the most bizarre. Wow. Yeah. Bizarre, but like so simple. Like we ran a slew of tests on her and that's the only real thing that, that came out of mm -hmm. it that were like, this, this could be causing this. Mm -hmm. And she had two babies just fine before wow. that. So it didn't express. She was able, her SNPs were a little different in the line of, of defects where she could make enough folic acid, but she was having some other issues with other B vitamins. So it was, it was fascinating that that was a really interesting 
Wow. Interesting case. Yeah, we we later ended up finding out she had Lyme disease and some other things too, but that's what what was helping her mm-hmm. her be able to walk. <laughs> that's huge. Right, she had two right. young boys, so this was interesting. This was bad. She couldn't walk them to school. She couldn't take care of them. It was huge and. And as if being a parent isn't hard enough already. Well, she had a number of doctors, like four or five, tell her, well, you're a, you're a new mom. And she's like, no, I'm not. This is my second kid. <laughs> you have two, okay, you have two boys. That, you know, you've probably just got a lot of anxiety with having two boys. And she worked, and now she's staying at home. Like, there's just a lot going on in your life. Just, you know, you need to relax. Mm. And they just kept telling her that. It was unfortunate that yeah. she had to spend that much time in suffering. And yeah, just by kind of looking at the, the person individually and as a whole and just looking at all aspects of their body versus mm-hmm. just, okay, this is anxiety or okay, this is just, you know, a heart problem, which, you know, of course she went all through the cardiologist then the EKG, which I absolutely, you know, agree with if you're having high heart rate. Right. But, you know, that was all ruled out, you know, but of course she had to go to this doctor to rule that out mm-hmm. and then this doctor for this and, you know, she just wasn't being looked at as a whole. Interesting. And I think that almost kind of speaks to, again, that like mind body connection thing where in that case, there's actually something physically that, you know, was not functioning the way that it should. And then it kind of manifested in what looks like symptoms of anxiety. Right. And obviously, I'm sure she was feeling very anxious and had a lot you know, frustration yeah. over that. Yeah. So it's almost like a little snowball. Yeah, you get kind stuck in this like hamster wheel, right? <laughs> like yeah. this is causing this and this is causing yeah. Where do you start? Mm-hmm. And that's and I think that's the biggest thing we do in our practice is just trying to figure out where do we start? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what what are the proper, you know, tests to look at? What's our starting point? That's probably the biggest thing is just listening to the patient and trying to figure out where to start. Right. So aside from some of these situations where you ended up uncovering like a pretty significant underlying issue, mm-hmm. um, are there any examples where you're working with people and they present these uh, seemingly kind of confusing symptoms and then there end up being like simple lifestyle things that yeah. end up being the, the remedy? Yeah. Um, one thing, actually I'm doing a Facebook Live next Tuesday on this, is vitamin D. Okay. It's so simple, but it does so many things. Mm-hmm. And and that's a huge one. I actually have another example of alkalizing somebody's pH is another huge one that can just be so simple. But, you know, we think, especially here in Texas, we're getting a lot of vitamin D. Well, my makeup has a sunscreen in it. Mm-hmm. Probably most people do. I go from my car to my office, right? If I'm walking my dogs, it's before the sun comes up or after because the pavement's so hot right yeah, now. Yeah, because it's like 106 know? degrees outside. <laughs> like we're kind of avoiding the sun a little right. bit, right? The only thing that's probably where I could absorb sun is my forearms right now with what I'm wearing, right? So so we, we kind of avoid the sun. So we I actually see a lot of low levels of vitamin D walk in the door. Mm-hmm. And we do blood testing for it. And sometimes just giving a vitamin D supplement changes so much mood immune system i have patients that have come in um one in particular was just sick all the time just getting everything that went around always sick well vitamin d plays a huge part in your immunity Mm -hmm. it helps fight inflammation it's one of the most important antioxidants in the body so all of these things and it does help some hormone balancing so depression i actually have a, a psychotherapist here in town that i work with a lot that we refer back and forth which is a great relationship to have Mm -hmm. and sometimes I'll call her up and say okay this isn't this isn't physical I truly think this person's you know going through something they need help and she'll call me sometimes and be like eh I don't think this is emotional can we check his vitamin d his hormones his testosterone like can we check all this yeah she knows she knows what we do and she knows just enough about the body that she's like I don't think this is depression Mm. or anxiety and so much depression um is from low vitamin d which wow. is why I truly believe tanning beds are so popular in places where the sun doesn't shine very often. Oh. Because people want that that little hit of <laughs> UV ray of vitamin D. It's hard to get vitamin D in food. The best source to get it in food is animal liver, and most people don't want to eat that. I don't really want to eat that. Understandably, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to get it through food, so we really okay. have to kind of get it through the sun. And so I tell people who have a low vitamin D, You know, let's try to get out in the sun 10 to 15 minutes a day. Obviously, anything more you're going to burn. Most people will, right? But 
let's do it in like a tank top and shorts or a sports bra and shorts if you can in right. your backyard. Like get your skin exposed. And sometimes that's just not possible and we just have to supplement with it and, and keep the levels up. But I mean, I've right. seen people like almost losing their job because they're so tired or they can't function or they're in such a low mood and it's just been vitamin D. Wow. Now, don't everybody go out and buy vitamin D. <laughs> like get your levels tested. Right. So Western medicine likes to see in between 30 and 100. That's the pathological range. We like to see it 60 to 100. I found the sweet spot is about 80. So your vitamin D level at about 80, people feel good. That's about the place we want to keep people. Okay. Um, another thing about vitamin D that is really important is some people need K, vitamin K, to absorb the D. And that's a genetic defect that we test for in our genetic testing as well. You have that SNP. It's called the VDR-TAC gene. And, and if you have that, you have to have some, some K with your D. Interesting. Also in that test, it'll tell you if you shouldn't have large amounts of K because it can actually cause blood clotting. So it's really important to know this stuff about patients. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they just went in, had their blood tested or got it tested on their own and they're really low mm -hmm. and they just start pounding high doses of vitamin D and K, that may not be the right thing for them. It could right. actually be a problem. So, so being really precise with that. I, I think I'm a numbers person at heart, so I like to see those numbers mm -hmm. and I like to retest, mm -hmm. you know, when needed to take a look at that. But Right. But vitamin D alone can be life-changing. Interesting. Yeah. And I think you're so right about, um, like, here in Texas, we just kind of assume, like, oh, it's always sunny. Um, but I recently got my my blood levels tested, and I was low in vitamin D. And I was like, how is that possible? Because I spend yeah. a lot of time in the sun. But it's really just, like, on the weekend, I'll go yeah. and probably be in the sun for a couple hours. But then during the week, like you said, it's like walking to and from my car. Maybe I take a walk around the block. But even then, you're wearing, you know, yeah. pants or clothes or whatever. So you're not really getting that exposure. You know, even if you are getting ample amounts of sun, there could actually still yeah. be something going on in your body that it's not able to be getting the vitamin D that it needs, despite all that sun exposure. Totally. Yeah. And and it's not a one-time thing on the weekend. I was out in the sun for two hours. Like, it is, it is. I tell people, it is, we have to do a little bit every day kind of thing. Cool. So, and, but 10 to 15 minutes yep. in your backyard with a lot yep. of skin exposed, um, I mean, that's a pretty easy recommendation. I think most people you can would think, think so. <laughs> you would think so, but it can be hard if somebody works, like we have a lot of patients that work in the tech world here. And, oh, yeah. You know, they're going in at dawn and getting out at 6 or 7 p.m., you know, and right. in the winter, the sun's gone down. So you would think, but it can be a real challenge to do that every day. Mm -hmm. I had a patient once, the first time I had a really low person with vitamin D, I think, I think it was at like an 11 I called wow. a mentor of mine, and I'm like, I don't know how this person's getting out of bed. Like, They have to have no energy. And she's like, oh, I'm in Seattle. I see it in the sixes and the sevens and the eights all the time. <laughs> she's wow. like, that's low. She's like, but I've seen it lower. Why? Yeah. And it's just kind of a testament to what you said earlier, that like the body wants to function. It's going to do yeah. whatever it needs to do to help you you know, stand upright, as you yeah. said, you know, help you yeah. get out of your house, get out of bed, do whatever, even if it's exhausting other parts of the body or like you're talking about yeah. the adrenals actually pulling nutrients from other parts of yes. the body just so that it can keep functioning while meanwhile it's creating all of these other problems with the thyroid or Or deficiencies other. or vitamin and mineral deficiencies because it's used it all up. Another big one we see when the adrenals are exhausted is um, gut issues. Mm. You hear about stressed out people getting ulcers. Yeah. Well, the mechanism of that is, yeah, the body's pulling, you know, the inside of the gut lining has all this like good flora and enzymes and nutrients. The, the body will pull that. It'll rob Peter to pay Paul. It's going to eat that up, burn a hole in the stomach to make more energy. Wow. And now we're left with ulcers or leaky gut, which is something that's not often recognized by Western medicine until it's ulcers, like ulcerative colitis or, you know, an actual ulcer in the body. So leaky gut is, you know, all this good enzyme. It's just kind of right here where there's just some, some thinness. So nutrients are, that should be just in the intestinal tract are getting into the bloodstream and things that are in the bloodstream should, are getting into the intestinal tract and, and, and your body doesn't have enough nutrients ulcerations is when it actually like burns a hole in it okay but i think a lot of people don't realize our intestinal tract is actually external like there's an opening in the top and the bottom and it's mm -hmm. and it's got a lining that does not allow that to 
interact with the blood in your body, in your system, mm -hmm. except for certain nutrients are absorbed through the stomach lining and the small intestines are absorbed through into the bloodstream. But when you start getting leaky, things that should not be getting into the bloodstream can be like food dyes or processed foods or right. things we can't do anything with, right? Like yellow dyes and mm -hmm. red dye 40. Like we just, we can't make nutrients out of that. Right. So if it gets into the bloodstream, it can cause joint pain. It can settle in the joints. It can cause inflammation. It can cause all wow. kinds of problems that get misdiagnosed as these medical mysteries and it's mm -hmm. leaky gut. I would say probably 95% of our practice, we start with the gut. If they come in for hormone stuff, joint pain, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, we look at their gut health first. Mm. And you've probably seen these yogurt commercials that say 80% of your immune system's in your gut, drink Yoplait or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're, whoever their marketing person is, is brilliant because that's 100% true. The inner lining of your gut is, tells us how healthy you are. Mm. Wow. We talk about poop a lot in the office. <laughs> if you're pooping and sleeping, your body can heal. If you're not, we got to start there. Right. And it's, yeah. you know, kind of a not the most, uh, <laughs> you know, dinner friendly topic. But at the same time, it's like so important. So and important. when you do start yeah. bringing that up to people, sometimes you'll find out that they can't or they're not doing one of those right. things. And it's kind of like, oh, all right. Well, that gives us a really big insight <laughs> into, yeah. you know, starting to figure out what's going on. Right, we have to sometimes start there before anything else because we may find, okay, well, they have a deficiency in, you know, X, Y, and v Z vitamin, mm -hmm. but if we just start giving them that, like especially iron, if we just start giving iron because somebody's anemic but their gut's not in a good place, iron we already know is constipating a bit, but if their gut's not able to break it down and absorb it because it's got issues, then they're just they're just gonna waste it. It's just gonna come out, urinate mm -hmm. it out. Yep. So. We have to start, oftentimes start with the gut with most things. So yeah, wow. chronic stress, adrenal fatigue oftentimes leads to gut. So now the person's tired and they can't go to the bathroom or they're going too much and they, right. they can't digest food. Then of course they're not getting any nutrients if they can't digest their food properly. Right. The podcast you are listening to was brought to you by wellnessplus.tv a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv. Yeah, and I mean, it makes perfect sense to see the gut as kind of the focal point because you're right, that's where we are taking in all of the good things, the whole reason we try to eat healthy in the first place. Right. But, you know, I think most people can be like, yeah, I want to eat healthier, but they don't necessarily think like, oh, I need to support my gut. Right. I need to make sure my digestive system is working, which yeah. is maybe just as important as eating healthy, or at totally. least they should go together for Absolutely. ideal. Yeah, probiotics, enzymes, you know, all kinds of just fermented foods, all of that to just heal the gut. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you mentioned that, you know, things crossing out of the digestive tract into the bloodstream can be problematic. Um, is that true for gluten? Yes. So... So gluten is absolutely one of those things that should never be in the blood, mm. should never cross out of the stomach, and it can cause a slew of problems when it when it does. It can definitely cause some of the joint pain and inflammation and other issues. Mm -hmm. um, that is when we see a lot of you know gluten intolerance when we test it through the blood that it's crossed through because the body will start making antibodies against it. Mm. But but you know gluten's complicated. <laughs> Just by sometimes healing the gut, some people can tolerate gluten a little bit more. I'm really torn if anybody should really be eating it, though. I think that it's so processed here, yeah. and, it, and it is inflammatory to the body, to the gut, that it's, it's kind of one of those, well, if we heal the gut, but then we reintroduce gluten again, will gluten inflame the gut, mm. causing some of this leaky gut issue, right. and will you be back where you were? And then there is actually, so, so there's a couple ways to test for gluten. You can test a food intolerance, but you can go off gluten for three to six months, you can heal the gut, and you may take that same test and not actually, ha and it come back negative, and you're mm. not having that gluten intolerance anymore. 
And then people will say, oh, well, I can start eating gluten again. And then maybe a year later, they're back in the same problem with some digestive issues and some right. joint pain and inflammation and chronic fatigue. And they're still like, okay, I'm intolerant to gluten again. I need to go off of it. So I've, I've seen that kind of happen a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, genetically, we can test a gene, an HLA-DQR gene. There's our uh, HLA-DQRA1 and A2. And it tells us, do you make glutarase? which breaks down gluten mm-hmm. genetically. Very similar to, you. do you make lactase that breaks down lactose? Mm-hmm. So that, that isn't gonna change. If people don't break this, make this enzyme that break down gluten, then absolutely it's always gonna be inflammatory, it's always gonna wreck your gut, it's gonna be an issue. Right. Interestingly enough though, people that go back on it and it bothers them for, doesn't bother them for a while, then it does, they, and I've had some patients that don't have this genetic defect. Mm. So is it the gluten or is it them? You know, it sounds like it's probably the gluten. Those same people that have reactions to gluten, but they don't have the genetic predisposition or, or issue with gluten. They've gone to Italy and they've gone to France and they've eaten tons of bread and pasta and they have had no issues. Wow. They've had no gas and bloating, no joint pain, no fatigue. They're great. They're not gaining weight. They feel amazing for two weeks. They come back, they have a hamburger with a bun, and they feel awful. Mm. So is it the way we're processing it and the pesticides we're putting on it? And, Mm. you know, I think, I, I think maybe the biggest difference with most of those patients, what they told me is a lot of that wheat is harvested and cooked right away. There's no preservatives. It's not sitting on a shelf for mm. weeks, months. I don't know. Am I afraid to say years? But maybe. Yeah. Right? Like, I imagine some of that stuff sits on a shelf for a long time. Well, and the whole processing and, like, food science behind it is like, let's make this food last as long as possible. Um, but, like, food, food then? But food by nature, like, degrades and decomposes. So or is it food anymore once you process it to that extent? Right. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've, just, I've just told most patients, obviously, if they have a genetic predisposition and they're having some leaky gut issues, like, absolutely go off of it. And, and it's a hard one to go off, so I don't take it lightly. If, right. if people don't have to go off of it, I don't push that, although I think in a perfect world, let's just go off of it <laughs> for right. most people trying to heal because it is inflammatory. Another, another one is we know that um, people with Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid disorder, that gluten will inflame the thyroid, then the body will attack the thyroid. Mm. So taking wow. them off gluten is a big part of that healing. So, you know, if I if they have a thyroid problem, I absolutely say, even if it's not autoimmune, let's let's go off the gluten. So right. it's a tough one. But yeah, when it leaks through the, the gut lining, it causes all kinds of problems. And, and gluten is one that's inflammatory enough to wear down the gut lining to get through. Wow. Yeah. It's that's, complicated. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gluten well, is, and is I, a tough one. And I... And I totally understand that, you know, for the person sitting there at home with, you know, a medical mystery kind of situation or a friend or family member who's in that situation, because it's really, really common now getting that big, like, I don't know, from your doctor. And then they are giving you um, steroids or antibiotics or whatever. And it's almost like they're just like throwing darts at a dartboard till they can find what sticks. While meanwhile, like the person is sitting there miserable, their situation getting worse. Um, like who wants to have a bunch of darts thrown at them? Right. Yeah. And sometimes I think they're just given an antibiotic or something because they feel like they need to give them something, right. whether or not they really need it. Like, well, I can't let you leave here without a prescription. Mm-hmm. You came in, you know, so, and that's a whole, another topic of antibiotics, killing the good and the bad bacteria in the gut, causing leaky gut, mm-hmm. making you more sensitive to food that's not food. And gluten and inflammatory things. So yeah, you go in with an, with an issue, you get an antibiotic that you may have not needed. Now, if you need it, absolutely, right. you know, it's needed. But sometimes it's just like, oh, you have a virus? Here's an antibiotic. Like a patient will come in and be like, yeah. I, <laughs> Give I, you an antibacterial for a viral infection. And I've actually seen that so many time. times. All the time. Yeah, a patient will come in and, you know, I have this, that, or, you know, I went to an urgent clinic and I got tested and it's, you know, it's viral. But they gave me an antibiotic. And I just let, I like, I let the patient figure that out sometimes. And I'm like, so they said it was a virus? <laughs> and I'm just like, kind of, let's, let's walk through this. They said you had a virus. Yep. 
Okay, because they'll come in maybe for like some acupuncture for immune boosting, you know, which is awesome. We try to train our patients to, you know, do things like that. I'm like, okay, let's just talk about that. <laughs> it's right. not, it, they ruled out a bacteria. And she's like, yeah. Do you, do you think you needed an antibiotic? Like, I, I, I legally didn't put them on the antibiotic. I can't tell them to stop taking it. So I have to, like, talk it through with them. Do you think right. you need that? Versus, you know, you can't kill a virus with an antibiotic. You really can just suppress the virus and make your immune system stronger than the virus. So let's, let's focus on you. Let's find out why did you get that virus? Why did you get it and your coworker next to you didn't? And a girl down the hall was sneezing on both of you or, you know, right. whatever. Right. What are you deficient in? What do we need to work on your system with? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and we use acupuncture, nutritional supplements. Chiropractic is a huge one for building the immune system because it aligns the nervous system, which allows all the, the organs to work properly, including the thymus gland and the spleen that makes red and white blood cells. So it keeps you healthy. Right. So that's, that's kind of the avenue in the, in the thought process. We're trying to teach our patients that come in and just our community. We do health talks and lectures around Austin of, you know, let's look at that versus taking an antibiotic for a virus. Yeah. You know, it's... Ah. Well, and then you factor in what you said before that, you know, 80% of our immune system function starts in the gut. Well, then if we're taking antibiotics all the time, and unfortunately, like the antibacterial chemicals are just like in everything now, it's kind of True. become this big buzzword. They're like, oh, it's antibacterial. Um, but those are like broad spectrum antibacterials, right? So all yeah. of your good bacteria you need. Right. gets killed off, well, now you've, like, essentially killed off your own immune system function. And, like, totally. it's like you took your chess piece, and or not chess, but took your game piece and set yeah. it back 10 spaces or something. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense, right? It just, right. It doesn't. Yeah. Instead, let's work on the gut. Let's work on healing, building up the system, you know, probiotics, fermented foods, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, with that, though, fermented foods this has kind of become a new thing too, is some people don't break down histamine very well. We found that out genetically. So they have issues with histamine in the air, histamine in the foods. They just don't, they can't, they can't process the histamine. Interesting. And that's a genetic defect. AOC1 is the gene that we look at. And <laughs> fermented foods is high histamine. So mm. things that you think are healthy can sometimes cause issues. I had a patient who was ending up in the ER, head to toe hives. And obviously there's a lot of things just because also I should preface just because you have this gene doesn't mean it's always going to be expressed. This okay. is, this is a gene that sometimes isn't expressed, but if you're going through stressful times or you've had traumas or something else is happening, it, it can heighten. So she's gone through a lot and then she started having hives and they started little, they've gotten big and bigger. And mm. she went in the hospital a couple times cause her throat was closing. Her lips were huge and puffy. And some of the most histamine foods she was eating every day, every morning in a smoothie, including some fermented foods and kombucha and sauerkraut, which is all right. good because she had other health issues and her gut was in a pro having a problem. So we, we figured that out. We just took those foods out of her diet, gave her a probiotic, which she could take because mm -hmm. you can get probiotics that are lower histamine. And she never had hives again unless... She did something like, she, so then she, she got good at it. Right. She was like, okay, well, if I have the wine, which is high histamine, but I didn't have anything else histamine for the day before and the day of, I'm good. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Like she right. got really good at it, but she goes, but if I have wine and pizza, which has tomatoes, which are high histamine and cheese and some gluten, mm -hmm. and I'm in trouble. Right. <laughs> she got really good She's like it. trying to ration herself. Yeah, totally. She's like, I, if I, if I do this and this and this and I don't do that, I can have the wine. Right. Then another patient told me about something on Amazon that you can buy, and they're called these histamine wands for people. It's, it's, marketed, it's marketed more for not getting a headache from wine, but why do you get headaches from wine? It's usually the tannins and the things that are high histamine in it. And it says in there for histamine relief and things, but it's really more marketed of don't get the headache, the wine headache. And it's like a little wand and it's one wand per glass of wine that you stir in and it takes out the histamines, like it filters out the histamines. So, the, <laughs> so this other patient was telling me each wand is about the price of a, a glass of wine. So I only, I only do it every so often because I have to ration my wands <laughs> you know, to do with the drink the wine. and But it... She doesn't get headaches from it. She can do the wine and she can do something else with histamine that day. 
Interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, sometimes what we think is good for us too, again, that's getting back to that individuality of the person, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I did that in my practice before, um, I knew about some of this genetic stuff is I'd have a patient. Now this is a rare gene. This is not as, 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 um, common as like the MTHFR gene, but I, I put a patient through gut health, a gut healing protocol. And I'm like, eat tons of probiotics, start drinking kombucha, everything fermented, you know, this is what you want to do. And they're, they don't feel good. Yeah. You know, and, and we thought it was like a detox reaction. <laughs> it must be a die off or a detox reaction. And, and now I, I, I found out one of those patients has a histamine thing. It's like, yep, yeah, nope. It was the fermented food aggravating your system. Wow. It's interesting. It just, you know, it's kind of interesting. I talked earlier about like the magnifying glass thing, yeah. but it really seems like, Hey, if you just take a look yeah. at what's going on with your body and kind of get this bird's eye view, so to speak, of mm-hmm. like your organs functioning, what are your hormone levels like? You know, you just totally. kind of, uh, and you know, and even the genetic testing and the more that you know, Absolutely. going back to that whole like knowledge is power thing, yeah. right? But it's like the more <laughs> that you know, the more that you can just live your life to support your body. And Absolutely. suddenly all of these huge issues and problems can just kind of like be resolved because your body is functioning the way it's supposed to. Or managed, right? Or, you know, that same patient who rations the wine, she knows that she has an issue with molds. So if molds are high, there's more histamine in her system because Mm. she's fighting the mold. She can't drink the wine. (laughs) You know, like just, so sometimes it's just managed and that's okay. We, we really try to meet patients where they are, right? right? Like, let's just manage this and get you functioning at your most optimal and you know, healthy and vibrant and let's just get you doing life mm-hmm. without pain mm-hmm. kind of thing and without discomfort. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that whole quality of life piece is so important. And so many people who have received one of these, like, I don't know what's wrong with yeah. you things. It's like you just accept that now, like, your quality of life just got, like, notched down a couple pegs. Right. And now, like, you're always going to be in pain. You're always going to feel this or whatever and now you just have to go through your life and function like that um right but to be able to you know let people know that hey there is hope your body isn't just randomly stopping working for no reason i agree and so just let's just work together work through it get the magnifying glass out a little bit and then we're gonna help you get your quality of life back up to where so many people have just accepted, like, oh, I always have back pain. I know a lot of people that say, oh, I have a bad back. Yeah. Oh, you know, whatever. I have headaches. I have this. And they just, like, kind of this acceptance of the problem. Um, And, you know, so that's that's really our goal with this podcast is to empower people to know that there are other solutions. And you don't have to just accept that, like, hey, now your quality of life is at a three. And that's just how you're going to have to you know, deal with it or whatever. Sorry, next. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, exactly. That, that is our mission, mm-hmm. to not settle. And I tell patients that all the time, do not settle. You know your body, you're in it. Yeah, and that is our mission. And, you know, if there are dealing with a, a doctor that's just writing them off, I the other thing I remind them, and I mean, saying this might be kind of bold, is they work for you. Yeah. Whether you're in paying cash or your insurance company's paying them, if you want a test run, like, do not leave that office right. until you have gotten the tests you want. Or, you know, especially if you've done your own research and you walk in <laughs> knowing, right, Dr. Google now tells us so much. <laughs> like, right. so many people come into my office, I think I have this, this, and this. I'm like, all right, let's run it. Sure enough, oftentimes they're right. So that, mm-hmm. that's what I tell them. Yeah, don't settle for life is going to be a three. Right. Absolutely. Right. I love that you you know, kind of laid out, hey, remember that your doctor is working for you. And I know that for me, when I go to the doctor's office, I have this feeling like I don't want to ask them too many questions. I don't want to take too much of their time. I want to try to get out of their hair. And it's interesting because we're paying them so much money. Right. But we, um, we don't treat them like they're doing something for us or like providing a service. It's okay for us to ask for what we want from them. Um, and, you know, so I think a lot about how, you know, like if we have a problem with our car, we're probably going to take our car 
to one mechanic and then we're probably going to get a second opinion yeah. and we're going to go somewhere else and we're going to keep looking around until we find a mechanic that we feel like we trust. We feel like they're not going to, you know, maybe they have a lot of good reviews totally. online or whatever. Um, but then this, you're probably going to drill them. Yeah. Have you done this before? Yeah. Have you? <laughs> yeah, like, right. Are you sure that's what it is? Right. <laughs> and like you said, you've like done your research before and you're like, okay, well, I know it's just a transmission problem. So like, but yeah. with so our, I know it's not this, yeah. you know, with our own health our own bodies, it's like a complete turn upside down. And I've said this to people before in my health coaching, like, you know, if we just took care of our bodies, like we take care of our car, you get routine maintenance, you take it in if the engine check light comes on, you shop around for different mechanics until you find somebody that you trust to work on your car. Clearly your car is a, is a life and death thing. You need it to function. You need it to work. Right. Right. Um, and our bodies are just as important. So like, why do we, why don't we take care of ourselves the same way that we, you know, take care of our house or our car or whatever different thing. I, the only thing I can think of is just doctors got this kind of God, (laughs) demigod kind of status in our society Mm. somewhere that happened. And we just, and I think that's unraveling. Right now, I think podcasts like this and just the more we're learning about natural medicine, I think this whole kind of movement of everything from, I don't know, eating organic food to breastfeeding coming back, like all of this, I think people are just becoming much more conscious. But for a long time, I think we just had, well, the doctor said. Right. The doctor said it was that. And and I really try to empower and educate people. Well, if that does not sit with your core being, you are in mm-hmm. your body. If that does not feel right, right, if that is a bogus diagnosis like irritable bowel syndrome, well, no kidding, my bowels are irritable. I came in and told you that, <laughs> you know, like right. what's causing it? Why? What can I do different? Right. You know, if, if it doesn't feel right, don't settle. Yeah. I actually asked a doctor one time, I was, you know, so my mom was having a lot of different health issues and um, they actually ended up removing her spleen, which I like really fought Ooh. for. But yeah, it's that's what it is. But anyways, and I asked that doctor, I said, you know, because I had gone and I'd done all this research and I actually came in with this big packet of all these yeah. different things. And I was asking about, you know, heavy metals and all this different stuff. And and he was like, yeah, you know, um, yeah, that, you know, natural stuff like uh, it just like doesn't really work. And I thought, well, but I know people for whom it's worked. And he was like, well, you know, really, we just can't trust our patients to actually do the things we tell them to do. So we just don't tell them. Like, the doctors don't think that you're going to take the dietary advice or take the advice to get 10 to 15 minutes of sun every day. And so they just don't even tell you that, like, those other possibilities exist for you to be able to try and improve your condition. Yeah, and I just... Um, yeah, it was really sad. <laughs> and yeah. But it made me realize, you know, a big part of, you know, why so many people are in this, like, medical mystery situation. Because the doctors have just kind of, you know, and I'm sure this isn't across the board. I know there's a lot of amazing doctors out there. Yeah, but that absolutely. they've just maybe become so frustrated with the patients not taking their advice yeah. to the extent that, like, now they don't even want to mention it. Yeah, that's... Whereas, like, it seems like you should at least give each patient the opportunity to try doing those things or whatever. Um, Otherwise, it's it's withholding knowledge. Yeah. Right? Like, you're doing them a disservice by at least not saying... Yeah. We could look at dietary changes. That's not what I do, but that's an option that could help you Mm -hmm. direct them in the right way. Because, I mean, that's that's just doing them a disservice. Right. Yeah. Well, Dr. Wards, I'm so, so happy to have you on the program, and I'm really excited to delve into some more topics. Um, I think the chronic fatigue, chronic pain uh, is a huge topic. We also talked a lot about autoimmune issues, Mm. and I think inflammation (laughs) is just, you know, kind of this underlying topic that came up a lot with what you're talking about. So I'm really excited to explore some of these other topics with you. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us today. Thanks for having me. Definitely. And I want to thank all of you so much for tuning in to the Wellness Plus podcast today. You can find video versions of these podcasts over on wellnessplus.tv, along with a lot of other health and wellness information. And if you'd like to learn more about Dr. Tanisha Wards, you can visit austinholisticdoctor.com. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. 
the Wellness Plus Podcast. Copyright 2018, Target Public Media, LLC, all rights reserved.